taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to this message. This is the Journey Church Podcast. Our hope is that it leads you closer to Jesus and encourages you to live your life on mission for Him. For more information about our church and how you can get involved in what God is doing at Journey, please visit jrny.church. Hey, you guys look good, sound good. You got a good attitude, even though it's raining on a Sunday morning, because we're used to rain on a Sunday morning. And so as you're being seated, turn to somebody to your right or left at all of our campuses and just say, hey, it's great to sit by you in church today. I'm glad that I got to sit by you. And then you may be seated all over our houses. It is great, great to be with you. It's always great to be with you. Uh, If you've never been here before, I want to welcome you, whether you're in Phoenixville, uh, whether you're at Plymouth Meeting, Limerick, Royersford, watching online, we want to thank you for being here with us today. Uh, We are in a sermon series. If you've never been to church before, typically the flow of our services, we sing for a few moments together. Uh, Then we open up God's Word. We call it the Bible. And uh, we believe that God will speak to us through His Word and do something significant through our lives. And so we come expecting Him to do that. Uh, And last week, we started a brand new sermon series called, uh, Why Can't I Stop? Why why Can't I Stop? And I and I told you, I see a kind of a common uh, uh, problem in churches all over the world, and really in people's lives, not just churches, but, but Christians and non-Christians alike, and it's that we can't quit anything. Like We may stop for a little bit, but oftentimes our best work results in very limited uh, growth. Addicts, most of the time, stay addicts. People uh, keep looking at porn even though they don't want to. People keep overeating even though we want to eat healthy. People, we keep yelling at our kids even though we say we're going to stop. We, we keep taking that pill. Like We continue uh, to struggle in, in, in our lives. And, and I think what happens is oftentimes in that struggle, when you give your best effort, it leads to frustration. Uh, and many of us live a frustrated life. And then when you become a Christian, we oftentimes mistake uh, or, or replace frustration with what I would call information. And what I mean is we, we come and we try, to, we try to go through some rules and some, learn some stories and some theology. And we look at what I would call behavior modification. But what I found in my life is information does not often lead to transformation. That just because you know the Bible doesn't mean you'll actually change. Just because you know theology, just because you sit in a church doesn't mean eventually you'll change into the person, that we actually need something outside of ourselves, that, that the Bible says we have a spiritual problem. Watch what it says in, in, in Ephesians 6. It says, for our struggle, verse number 12, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In other words, uh, your problem is deeper than, than what you think it is. And if you have a spiritual problem, it's not a physical problem, it's a spiritual problem. Somebody that's good news, somebody that's bad news, because you blame everything in your life on something physical, physical, your parents, you know, whatever, your body, makeup, whatever it is, it's physical. The Bible tells us actually it's a spiritual problem. And if you have a spiritual problem, uh, you need a spiritual solution. And so what we started to do last week is we started to dive into the reality that, that maybe, maybe we need something else to, to help us. Maybe there's a deeper problem. Maybe you can't fix yourself the way you're trying to fix your, your, yourself. I, I remember a few years ago, and I've shared this story with you before, uh, but my son Lincoln snored. Anybody have a snore in your family? Most husbands, we snore. That's what we do. And so uh, actually, we're going through pictures last night on an on a old uh, hard drive, and my wife, without telling me, had recorded me about seven nights in a row of snoring. There's no video. It's just me snoring. I'm like, what is that? that she's like, that's you. I was going to let you know. I was keeping a list to tell you, uh, but information did not lead to transformation in your life, so I just got over it. And so, uh, so we snore. So my son snored, Lincoln. I'm like, why do, why do you snore? We would go to a hotel, 
we would try to sleep, and you know, even though I snored, I can't hear myself snore because I'm sleeping, but he would snore, and so we would be hitting him with pillows and shaking him, and he was a really loud mouth breather. Anybody else have a kid like this? And it was just kind of, he kind of had problems like that, and so we took him to, to, to get, begin the process of braces and the orthodontist, and they did these x-rays. They brought us in, and they said, hey, do you know that your son Lincoln can barely breathe? And I said, I didn't know that, but he, he's an obnoxious snorer. Can you stop that? And he, he said, the reason that he snores is because his tonsils are so large that barely any air is passing through there. And so here's the, here's, the, here's the point. No matter how many times I hit him with the pillow, he still snored. No matter how many times I yelled at him and, and not, not yelled at him physically when he, but when he was sleeping, I'd be like, would you stop? Hit him with the pillow, roll over, act like I'm sleeping, right? No matter how, he wouldn't stop. He had to go get something different done. He had to go into surgery. He had to go internally inside his body. They had to do whatever they do for tonsils. He had to go through the process. You ever have a kid get his tonsils out? It is, it is, it is a lot of work for the next two weeks. He got healing, and then it's better for a little bit, then it hurts more. We went through this whole process, and now he doesn't snore anymore. We should clap about that. That's exciting, right? Like there's no more snoring in my house except for me, and I'm 40. There's nothing you can do to solve that. And so, like, I, I, I realized in that problem there was there was it was deeper. Like there there was there was a deeper issue. And so what, that's what I wanted you to begin to understand. There's a deeper issue in your addiction. There's a deeper issue in your frustration. There's a deeper issue going on. It's not just it's not just you. Like you have to work at it. You have to get better. You have to make better effort because if you continue to do that, you'll just continue to live a frustrated life. And so what we started to do is we started to open up our eyes to what what I told you was the work of the Holy Spirit. And so I said he's like the redheaded step child of the Trinity. And if you're not a church person, uh, the Bible teaches this theology, and it's really hard to, to, the concept is kind of difficult, and I could preach on it for a long time, and maybe you would still be confused, but it says there's, there's one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We understand God the Father, the Creator. We see Jesus uh, as God the, 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 the Son, but the Holy Spirit confuses a lot of people. But Jesus said, it's important that I go away so that you can have his, his power. The same power that I have in me, you're going to need in you to accomplish the work of God through you. And oftentimes, people don't fully understand the Holy Spirit. Remember last week, I read you in, in Galatians 5, I believe, that where it said, so walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of a sinful flesh. That, that the problem is not your sinful flesh, that you can't overcome it, that you're not strong enough. That's the, that's the reality. You're not strong enough. You can't do it on your own. You can't stop drugs on your own, and you can't stop looking at porn on your own, and you can't stop you know, whatever habit you have on your own. So he says, here's the answer. You need to walk by the Spirit and you will stop gratifying the desires of, of, of the sinful flesh. And so I told you the la that last week, the first thing you need to do is you need to ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And I said, oftentimes, the reason people aren't living a spirit-filled life is many people don't know he exists. Some people think he, he's unnecessary, and other people want nothing to do with him. And I'm telling you, without him, you will continue to be defeated. You will continue to be frustrated. You will continue to try to learn and read books and self-help and, you know, get in touch with your inner being, and you will continue to struggle. I don't believe you have to, though. And so what I want to do for the next few weeks is next week I want to take a look at some of you are going to say, I want the Holy Spirit in my life, and I'm going to show you some ways that you can actually quench him. The Bible says you can, you can quench the Holy Spirit. In life. You can keep his power from moving in your life. And in the last week of the series, uh, we're going to take a look at spiritual gifts, that God fills us with gifts to accomplish the work that he has called us to do, that he brings stuff out of us that we didn't know was in there. And I, I would tell you, I'm a classic example of that because I would have never, if you would have told me in a million years, what do you want to do when you're old, a grown-up, 
Nobody ever says they want to be a pastor because it's kind of lame. But for me, like there was never, my dad was a pastor. I liked what he did. Like I was like, that's cool. I want to be a basketball player. Obviously that didn't work out. And so I must have missed the call, something like that. And so like for me, I never would have imagined doing this because this was not in me. I did not like to stand up in front of people. I did not like to, to talk, talking for more than two minutes. Sometimes I even step back and think to myself, oh my goodness, I'm up here talking. I'm going to be up here for 35 minutes. And so right before I walk on the stage, I, I pee myself just a little bit every week. That's a joke, by the way. You can't pee yourself, wear skinny jeans. And so I'd be awkward. I was just making sure you're, you're awake. And so, but I can't believe sometimes that God has, God has brought this out of me. I didn't know this was, was, was in me. And so we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. But today I want to talk to you about the power of the Holy Spirit, the power. Last week I told you why you need the Holy Spirit. Today I want to talk to you about the power of the Holy Spirit. You ever been shocked by something that's the, like the power of something? get behind a sports car. Like I, I drove a Ford Escort my whole life. Then I drove a, a, a VW Jet. I remember I was a valet parker in college. Coolest job in the world, by the way. And so I would drive all these sports cars. And there was a few times that like somebody would drop their car. If I would get in, they would still be headed into the restaurant. I would try to be cool and pull out like in a cool manner. And I would barely hit the pedal, but, but because it was so powerful and I wasn't used to it because I was driving a Volkswagen Jet, what would I do? Right? And the wheels, and the people would look back and I'd be like, Sorry, right? Like, I can't handle the, the, the power of the, this thing. Or I remember at, in Oklahoma a few years ago, uh, we got invited because my mother-in-law had a friend that has a ranch and they have horses. Anybody ever been around horses? Those things are terrifying. Like, t- ter- like I... I I cannot believe, like we went, and I was like, this is going to be cool. It took us on a, like a hayride to this dried up brook, and it had all this red rock in it, and I was envisioning myself as a cowboy with my kids, and like, and like you know, fighting robbers, and like rattlesnakes, and stuff like that, and then uh, it was time to go, to go ride the horses, and so I went with them over to the horses, and we kind of looked at them, and I petted them, and horses are just, if you're not used to a horse, they're just terrifying. They start like doing that like stuff, and like, you know what to do with their lips, and you're like, I'm not touching you, and then the lady was like, uh, I'll show you kind of how to ride and so she got on this horse and she was kind of trotting around and then she got it up to a gallop and she started taking it around the pen in a circle and as she came by me like my hair was messed up you know it was so and I was like she was like do you want to ride this I was like never ever I don't even want to be looking at this thing like I am never going to get on a horse in my life because that right there I cannot believe how power like you could feel the force of the horse running by you when it went. And so not only were they terrifying in physical stature, but the, the, the sheer speed of the horse. I'm like, I'm never going to get on a horse. Some of you, you might. I never would. I would never get on a bull and try to ride for eight seconds. Like I would never do those things because the truth is the power of them is shocking. It, it's shocking. And here's what I want you to understand. The power of the Holy Spirit can be shocking in your life. He has the ability to, 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 to accomplish shockingly significant things in your life if you would simply tap in and be receptive. And not, next week I'll tell you how not to quench the Spirit in, in your life. But watch what it says in Scripture in 2 Timothy 1. It says, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us what? Everybody say the word. Power. But gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Power, love. Some of you need to write that down. The Spirit God gives us does not make us timid, but it gives us power. It's the same word, by the way, in Greek. The same word for power is the word that Jesus uses in Acts chapter 1 when he tells his disciples one more time, I'm leaving, the Holy Spirit's coming, Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. But he says, and when the Holy Spirit comes, watch what he says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That word power is mentioned 120 times in the New Testament. And every time it's mentioned, if you study it in Greek, it actually is the word that we use for dynamite. This dynamic power. 
if you do a little bit more studying, when, when Jesus says this, when, when Paul tells us this in the Bible, what he's saying is when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to receive miraculous power and you'll see marvelous works. My question is, do you? Are you right now? Is the life you're living as a result of the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit? If not, you're not tapping into the power that God has given you. If you're living a, uh, a day-to-day struggle, never overcoming, never seeing the miracles of God, never seeing doors open to you, never standing back going, I can't believe the Holy Spirit has done that in my, in my life, you're, you're missing the significance of, 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 of the power. Like you're in the, you're in the sports car, but you're not turning it on. You're behind it trying to, to push it, and you're not realizing the significance of the power in your life. And so what I want to do, I want to encourage you with three ways that the Holy Spirit makes us powerful. Three ways. There's many more, but for time's sake, because we have a second service and I got 14 minutes, we're going to do three things that will happen in your life when you live with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've been here for a few years, I preached a very similar message some, some years ago, and you'll notice if you come here for a long time, you're going to hear a message from time to time again, because the Bible is only you know, 1,700 pages long or whatever it is. There's only so much to say, and I'm not that smart. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at three things that, that I know from my own life and that I want you to experience that happens when you begin to experience the presence and the power of God. Number one is this, is when you begin to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, he'll give you words to speak you did not know. He'll, he'll give you words to speak in your life that from time to time you're going to go, where did that come from? And I'm not talking about like big words. I mean, like, I want to learn big words. The Holy Spirit don't care about big words. You ever meet somebody with, that says big words and you're like, who cares, man? What almanac or whatever, encyclopedia, whatever that is, what did you read? Whatever it is. Like, we're, we're there right now. I'm 39. I don't remember school, school terms. Like, what did you, I Googled it. What, what did you, what book are you reading to be so, so smart? In fact, Paul said, he said, when I came to you, I didn't come with long words and eloquence. I came with the power of the Spirit. And you need to understand something significant. When you begin to walk in the power of the Spirit, I believe he'll give you words to speak you did not know. And here, here's why. Because that's exactly what happened in the beginning of the Bible. When you go to the book of Acts, not the beginning, like the beginning of this story, the book of Acts, chapter 2, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples, and watch what happens if you read with me just quickly the story. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So they were waiting for the Spirit. Jesus told them to. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So they, they, they're talking in languages they didn't know before. Keep, let's keep reading. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And then it goes on to say, I don't have time to read the whole story. Then they said, I think these guys are drunk. Now, here's the thing about this Bible verse. Uh, this is one of the most uh, dividing line passages in Scripture. And I, we, we, we don't have time to really get into it and say, you know, well, here's what we believe and here's what other people believe. I just want to talk about practically what it says. Just un- understand me for a second. There's 120 disciples. Uh, there was up to 500. In a few weeks, they have lost interest. They have quit on, the, on what God, G- God Jesus told them to do. Uh, 380 of them have abandoned Jesus, and they've gone back to their old way of life, even though they saw the resurrection and they saw Jesus risen from the dead and all those things, touch his hands, all those things. They can't even wait for Jesus. But 120 of them are, are obedient. By the way, obedience, we're going to talk about next week, number one indicator that you will have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
That will be the lid to the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you want it, but your first step is to be obedient. That takes the lid off of your life. We'll see that next week uh, through this story, really. So they stay there. The Holy Spirit fills them up. And what's the first thing that happens? They began to speak in tongues, but not weird tongues, not maybe what you've experienced in Pentecostal churches or maybe what you've seen on a documentary or something like that where they just begin to, to speak and you're like, what are they saying? And they freak you out. You don't know what's going on. That's not what happens. There's people from all over the world at that point uh, in Jerusalem to celebrate the festival of Pentecost. And these people don't know about Jesus. They're about to celebrate God without knowing about what God had done for them. It's a religious activity. And these disciples come out and they begin to speak. And when they begin to speak, these people from all over the world say, hey, that sounds like my language. You know, we, we, I don't know who exactly was there, but it would be like me showing up in China. I, 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 listen, I went to two years of, of Spanish. I know Donde es Albania. That is it. Where is the bathroom? That's all that I know, right? This would be like me showing up in China, never taking a class in my life, getting off the plane and beginning to, to speak in a language that I have never learned before in my life. And it is clearly being spoken, the presence and the, and the gospel message and the truth of God. This is what's happening. They begin to speak. And as they begin to speak, these people begin to say, what are they saying? It sounds like they're speaking in a language that, 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 that I know, but that they shouldn't know because they're just normal people from this area. And I can tell they're not that educated by the way that they look. And so they shouldn't be able to do this. And then the coolest part, if you keep reading, Peter stands up, he begins to preach. And I've always read this story. He begins to preach, and the Bible says 3,000 people from all walks of life begin to get saved. But how does that look? Is he speaking in one language and everybody else is receiving in their own language? Is he speaking in one language and, and, and Andrew and, and, and John and everybody else has kind of gotten a group from a different part of the world and said, hey, I'm going to interpret what Peter's saying in your language so that you understand it. What did this look like? All that I know is the church went from 120 to 3,120 people in one sermon. I mean, that's a sermon, y'all. We go three people a week, I'm happy. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, he will give you words to speak that you did not know. This isn't the only time it talks about this. There's another time in the book of Acts, a few chapters later, where uh, Peter and where John uh, stand before the religious leaders as uneducated men, and they speak boldly about the message of Jesus Christ, and the religious leaders look at each other and look at them and say, who are these men, and how do they speak like this? Because they look like normal, ordinary men. If you do the Greek interpretation, what they really said is they look like normal, ordinary idiots. In other words, the Holy Spirit makes idiots look smart. The Holy Spirit makes people who can barely speak, make them sound eloquent. The Holy Spirit can take somebody just like you and just like me and allow them to speak for 30 minutes. And somehow through his anointing, through his power, people's lives get changed on the week. The Holy Spirit can give you the right words to say when you come into a conversation with somebody and it's much bigger than you. And you're like, I don't know what to say. What do I do? The Holy Spirit promises us through Jesus to give us the right words. Well, that's what Jesus said in Luke 12. He says, when you're brought before the synagogues, the rulers and authorities. Don't worry about how you're going to defend yourself or, or, or what you will say. Watch what he says. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what you should say. Anybody ever been in a situation you're like, I want to share my faith with other people, but I don't really know what to say? What's the promise of scripture? Are you supposed to worry about that? Are you supposed to just allow God to take you into those situations and the Holy Spirit will give you things to say that you did not know that would be in there? I can tell you from times, I can give you a thousand different moments in my life if I had time to actually go back and think about it when the Holy Spirit gave me words or showed me things that were going to happen. Two very vivid times I remember in my life, and I'm not an over-spiritual person. 
I'm not like one of those ones that, you know, thinks every sneeze is, is the Holy Spirit's beckoning call in my life, but I also want to be in tune with, with the Spirit. And I can tell you two times in my life, and I'm not a dreamer, by the way, by the way, I'm a snorer. And so, but I remember two different times in my life in the last 13 years, I had a dream, a very vivid dream in, in, in my sleep about a conversation that was coming at me from somebody that I cared very much about two different times that were going to leave the church. And if, you, if you're a pastor or you do anything like this, right, you have people that work with you, anytime somebody says they're leaving, it's always painful. And sometimes you, if you're not ready, you don't react the, the right way. But then literally within a few days, I had the conversation that I dreamed about having. And because the Holy Spirit prepped me, I, I was able to handle it in a way that honored God and did not create an enemy with that person. The Holy Spirit will give you words to speak you did not know. Even more, the Holy Spirit will give you words to pray. Something like, I don't know how to pray. Watch the promise in Scripture in Romans 8. He says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The, the Holy Spirit will give you words to even pray. Things that you did not know were in there, he will begin to pull out. And so number one, the Holy Spirit gives you words to say you did not know. Number two, number two, not number one, number two. He'll get you to places you could not go. How many of you, I'm not going to ask, how many of you stress about your life? All of us. Stress about open doors. Stress about how God's going to get you where he needs to get you. Uh, stress about uh, what your next step is going to be. Or maybe some of you are like, you know, you're, you're, you're really planners. You're like the next five years of your life. What is that going to look like? How do I plan out? How do I follow this? All, all these things. I want to encourage you with this thought. The, the Holy Spirit will get you to places in your life that you could not go on your own. I mean, think about the Bible, if you're a Bible person. Think about how many examples are in the Bible of people who God has led to places that they have no right in being. Think about Joseph. He, 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 was, a, he was a farmer in the wilderness. He camped out for his life. They had no, they had no formal bu buildings. He, was, he, he, he wasn't a king. He wasn't in control of anything. He was the youngest son of, of, of 12 boys. Like he, His life was set up to be, be the runt, and somehow through his life, through the power of the Spirit, through the guidance of the Spirit, God takes him from the wilderness to, to the palace. He ends up being the second most powerful man in the world at that time because of the power of the Spirit in his life. Moses, same thing. Moses goes from should have been dead to a basket in the middle of the Nile River, which, by the way, that's two strikes on you because that's crocodile territory to getting saved, to getting guided by the Spirit, to getting his spot in, in, the, in, in the, the castle with, with the Pharaoh, to then running for his life into the wilderness. And the Holy Spirit still was working steps out in his life because ultimately every step in his life was going to be used for him to be the, the one who led the Jewish people out of, out of slavery. Think about all of the work that the Spirit did in, in his life. David, same way. He's just, a, he's just a shepherd. He's the runt. He's the shepherd. The Holy Spirit guides the the prophet to go anoint him, and he ends up in, in the palace. Paul, same thing. This is the story of our lives. If you're not living a life that you, you can't say, like, if the Holy Spirit didn't step in and get me here, I would never be here, you might be missing out on the power of the Spirit in your life. I, I've often said, if the life you're living is anything but as a result of a God-sized miracle, you probably settled at some point in your life. Like, you should be able to look at your life and go, how in the heck... Did you get me here? You ever have a moment like that? I have that moment every time I drive by Montgomeryville campus. And I see Journey Church on the thing. And I flash back 13 years, and I remember us being in Bechtelsville, Pennsylvania. You know where Bechtelsville's at? You don't. Maybe you do in Limerick. You can't even say Bechtelsville. I bet if I ask you to spell it, I'll give you 100 bucks to spell it, right? 
Like, what is Bechtelsville? And I remember being there. We had borrowed chairs and a borrowed sound system in the middle of a youth room with very little people. And we lived there. And, and listen, I didn't want to live in Bechtelsville, but that's where I was at. That's where I grew up. And so I was like, God, how are you going to get us there? And it's not even been 13 years later and somehow 55 minutes away. Who are we kidding? An hour and 20 minutes away because of Philly traffic. There's a building on 309 that says Journey Church where people are going and getting saved. Like, I think to myself, how did you do that? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has opened up doors for us that we should have never been in. Almost every step of this journey for me, I look and I go, without the Spirit's guidance. Like, like think about it. The Holy Spirit can accomplish in your life in just a few short months what it would take you hundreds, maybe thousands of years to accomplish on your own. The buildings we've been given, the money we've been given, the opportunities that we've been given. If in 2005 you would have said, you're going to have to work for this, but not just work, you're going to have to figure out the money, and you're going to have to have the conversations, and you're going to have to network, because that's what we tell people. It's all about who you know, and you're going to have to make a way where there seems to be no way. Guess where we would still be? Bechtelsville. I'm not that likable. In fact, I'm downright unlikable sometimes. Nobody was going to give me a building in Limerick. Nobody was going to open up a door at the Colonial Theater. Nobody would have gave us a building. Where is Plymouth Meeting, by the way? Nobody's going to give us a building in Plymouth Meeting. Nobody's going to open up a door at a ladies' gym for us. I'm a man, for goodness sake, right? And nobody certainly is going to open up the door in Montgomeryville. How did it happen? The guidance of the Holy Spirit, because he will get you places that you should not be able to get to. He will open up doors, and he will get you there faster and farther than you could ever go on your own. In fact, one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts is about a man named Philip. And the Bible says that there's this Ethiopian eunuch. We can talk about that in another sermon, by the way. You can Google what a eunuch is if you want. But there's an Ethiopian eunuch uh, on the side of the road studying the Scripture. Some of you are smiling, especially men, because you know. And so, uh, and, and there's an Ethiopian eunuch on the side of the road. He's a very important uh, politician. He helps, he helps run the government. But he's very interested in the scriptures. And the, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit tells Philip, this guy's reading on the side of the road, go to him, open up his, you know, tell to him, you know, explain the scriptures to him. And so he goes and meets this guy on the side of the road. And it implies they get in the chariot at some point. So it's a stretch chariot, I think. And so, uh, and they're riding in the chariot. And as they're riding in the chariot, he's explaining to the, the, the eunuch the scriptures. And eventually the guy's eyes are open and he stops the chariot. He gets baptized there. And what's so cool, in the very next passage, it says that he baptizes this man. It's almost, it's almost so crazy to think. And the Bible says, instantly Philip is taken away. And he goes to a town. I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but I, I went and studied it this week. And the town from where he was at to where, where he needed to go was 18 and a half miles away. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, doesn't say he runs there. Nobody runs 18 miles unless you're at the, the Broad Street run today. That's cool, but whatever, skipping church. And so anyway, but nobody does that. The Bible is clear that the Holy Spirit transports him, like just moves him faster than he could ever move on his own. And this is what happens. And you're like, some of you are really concerned about life and figuring stuff out and making a way in your five-year plan. And I'm telling you, if you would ask the Holy Spirit to fill you up, he can get you to places that you could never get to. He can give you words to say you did not know. He'll get you to places that you could not go. And then number, number three, he'll fill you up with strength you could never grow on your own. He'll fill you up with strength. You can never grow on your own. Anybody ever, when you were younger maybe, and you had, um, you had some oomph in your life, look at some picture of a bodybuilder or somebody that was in shape more than you and say, I'm going to get like that person. Maybe you, my day you put a poster up on your wall, said that's my goal, right? And you start to work out, 
and you start to exercise, and you go there, and you realize quite early on, and maybe you're, you're better than me, you got better body, makeup, DNA, genetics, better steroids, whatever, but for me, like, I'll go, I'll go lift, and I'll never look like those pictures. In fact, there's been times I've went and lift with my buddy Ian. He works at the church. If you've ever met him, he's, 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 he looks like he could kill somebody, and so, and he could. And so, Ian, there's been times I've gone to the gym with him, and uh, when I go to the gym with him, he, he lifts an astronomical amount of weight. And I'll, I'll be lifting, and I'm like, I'm going to get as strong as Ian. He's my motivation. Like, he, he, he lifts all this weight. I want to be like Ian. And I go in there and lift, and, you know, he, he might put one, two, three, four. I've seen him put five plates on a side before. That's when the bar starts bending, by the way. And I'm lucky with one plate on each side, and I need a spotter at that, right? I'm not trying to be a hero. Sometimes Ian says stuff like when we used to lift, he's like, can somebody spot me? I would just laugh at him. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. If this goes down, we're both dying, right? I'm not pulling this thing off you. And the reason is, is because I could lift for a thousand years and I would never be as strong as that. It's just not in me. And there's things in my life that, that's just reality. Like, I know, I know in America it says to pursue whatever dream you have. And so, you know, there's been a time, I remember when I was in uh, my first job and I was preaching. We didn't have a worship pastor for our junior high youth group. And so I had this bright idea. I'm going to learn how to play worship and I'll, I'll get a guitar off off of eBay. Remember eBay? I got a guitar off of eBay. I'm like, I'm going to learn how to lead worship. It's got to be in there somewhere. Like my mom and dad, they sang duets all my life. And like, you know, if you've been in church, you remember that whole part of the service. I'm like, it's got to be in there somewhere. I've just never brought it out. And so I got this thing. I started, I started singing in my worship band. And so if you could have video and just picture this, me singing to a room full of ruthless 13, 14, and 15-year-olds. It was 15-year-olds. It was not a good situation for me. And so if you think you're critical, go hang out with them, right? So I was singing on this thing, and I never actually played my, my guitar. It just sat in my office. And no matter how much I tried, I, I just wasn't a good singer. Like, I would like to be. I'd like to be up on this stage dancing around and singing and hitting harmonies and melodies and being soprano and alto and baritone, whatever you sing, and, like, and playing a guitar. Like a few weeks ago, they let me carry out a bass guitar to somebody's car. And I was like, this feels awesome. It's so much cooler than preaching, right? And I have this dream. But the truth is, no matter how much I work at singing, it's just not in there. It's just not in me. No matter how much I lift, I'm probably not going to get that, right? This is physically not possible for me. But, and for us, for many of us, this is how it is in our life. No matter how much that we try, no matter, no matter how much that we push, no matter how much effort that we give, for some of us, we're just never going to have enough strength. But when you get filled with the Holy Spirit... And I've been praying for this. I'm like, well, I can't do it on my own, but God, maybe you can make me sound like Justin Timberlake. Maybe, maybe you can't. And the truth is that the Holy Spirit, when he fills you up, he, he will give you strength that you can never grow on your own. Some of you, you're, you're impatient, you're, you're not faithful, you have no self-control, and you're going, what do I need to do to get these things? Should I get a book? Should I study scripture? Well, what should I do? Should I pray more? No, no, you invite the power of the Holy Spirit. And watch what the Bible says in Galatians 5 when you get filled with the Spirit. The Bible says you'll begin to produce fruit. And watch what it says. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There is no law. There is no, this doesn't make sense, or you shouldn't be able to have this. These, these cancel out that. 
These make impossible things possible. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you get Holy Spirit self-control and Holy Spirit patience and Holy Spirit love and Holy Spirit gentleness. And sometimes I think you don't know me very well because I preach up here, but without the Holy Spirit, I am the least gentle person in the world. In fact, my wife has coined a phrase, I don't know if it's a real word or not, uh, ramrody. Is that a real word? He says, you are ramrody, and that, that, is, that is maybe not a better word to describe me. I, everything I do, I slam drawers when I open them up, not because I'm mad, I'm just ramrody, right? I'm insensitive, right? Like I, when I preach, if I preached in my own power and people started to tear up or you started to give me certain looks or whatever happened or you fell asleep during my preaching or you started yawning, a couple things would happen in my own power. If you started crying, it would make me feel really uncomfortable without the Holy Spirit. I'd be like, what's wrong with you? If you tried to hug me without the Holy Spirit, I'd be like, ah, no. If I felt like you weren't receptive to what I was saying, even though you should be receptive without the Holy Spirit, how do you think I would act? I'd be mad. I'd be impatient. I might knock over the pulpit, walk off, drop my mic, have a temper tantrum. I mean, this is just reality of who I'd be, but the Holy Spirit fills you up, and you begin to become gentle in spirit. You, be, you begin to become patient with people, understanding, loving he pulls things out of your life that, you, that shouldn't be there. And you'll notice, these are not fruits of working hard. That's not what this is. This isn't learned things. These aren't fruits of working hard. These are fruits that come from being filled with the wonderful power of the Holy Spirit. He, he brings things out of you that should never be there. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is in Ephesians 5. I'm going to end with this, where Paul says, he says, Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Watch what he says. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Why do you think he compares those two things? Because when you drink to get drunk, you do so for a few reasons. When you get drunk, it makes you what? It makes you stronger than you really are. Some of you, it makes you, it's made you in the past. I'm going to talk more in the past because you're a Christian now, right? Uh, but it makes you better looking than you think you are. Like, like all of a sudden, you become better looking. Some of you, you get really, like you won't even talk to the opposite sex but in your past, you would go drink, it would make you more comfortable. All of a sudden, you would talk to everybody, hey. But you take the alcohol away from you, you don't talk to nobody. Like, you are a coward. And so why do we go to alcohol? We go to alcohol because it gives us things that we would not have otherwise. It makes us think things about ourselves. And so instead, Paul says, hey, let's get rid of that habit. And instead, let's be filled with the Spirit. And the same effects happen. He makes you more confident that you, than you would be on your own. He gives you more courage than you'll ever have on your own. He'll pull things out of you, than you that you didn't even know were in there. He'll give you the ability uh, to have conversations with people that you have been afraid to have, to make a stand in your life that you have been afraid to make. He says, be filled with the Spirit. And something interesting about that, it's not a one-time command. What he's saying is over and over and over again. The bar might have happy hour. The Holy Spirit never shuts down. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you up over and all those things that you look to for an alcohol to get, the Holy Spirit can give you. Be filled with the power of the Spirit. Why? He'll give you strength that you should not have. He'll get you to places that you can never get to on your own. He'll begin. Some of you have a family member. You don't know how to talk to them. The Holy Spirit can give you the right words and the right uh, method and the right demeanor to speak to them in a way that can open up their eyes. The Holy Spirit's power is dynamite. It's miraculous in your life. So why don't you begin to walk in it? Why don't you begin to seek him and open up your life and ask him to fill you up? Well, so let's do the same thing we did last week today. Let's bow our heads. Let, let's close our eyes. Next week, we'll take a look at the lid. 
the lid of the Holy Spirit, what keeps us from his power. But, but today, why don't you, as you close, why don't you speak directly to the Spirit? I'm not sure where you're at in your life, what you're struggling with, what you brought into this place, uh, how you're suffering. But I know the Holy Spirit is here, and I know he wants to do a work. He changes people. He empowers people. He emboldens people. He opens up our eyes. He pulls things out of our, our minds. He digs deep into the core of who we are. Some of you are struggling, and it's, to you it's, been a, it's a physical battle. But you read in Ephesians with me where the, where the Bible says that, that our battle is not against, against flesh and blood. That the problem is not just the drugs. That the problem is not just the alcohol. That the problem is not just the pornography. That the problem is not just the parent or the loved one. The problem is not just the boss. There's a deeper problem. There's a spiritual problem. And to overcome a spiritual problem, you need a spiritual helper, your advocate. The Bible says he's a counselor. He's a friend. He's this friend that sticks closer than a brother. That same power that the Holy Spirit offers you lived inside of Jesus Christ and enabled him to rise from the dead. It enabled him to walk on water. It enabled him to turn fish and loaves, a small lunch, and feed 5,000 people. It enabled him to heal the blind to bring back the dead from li- the, the, the dead to life. And that same power that was in Jesus is in you. And here was the promise of Scripture. This might surprise you. Jesus said, you'll do even greater things. So what's the problem? Why are so many dead? Because we follow religion. Because we have head knowledge, but we don't have a heart filled with the Spirit. Because we know so much, but we tend to experience so little. You see, for me, I want to have a life-giving relationship with with God. I want to experience him as my father and my savior, but I also want the spirit to fill me up with the power. I'm fully aware that I can't do what he's called me to do without the power in my life. And so why don't you just begin to invite him? The Bible says, ask at all of our campuses, ask. God's a good father. He is here right now. He gives good gifts. Why don't you begin to just help? Holy Spirit, I need your help. I've tried everything else. I've got self-help books. I talk to my friends every, every week. I got accountability partners. I got all these. I've taken all of these physical steps, but I need spiritual help. I need something deeper. I can't overcome that porn addiction on my own. I can't stop taking that pill or that, that drug, or I can't stop drinking, or I can't stop gossiping on my own, or I can't stop hating that person on my own. Every time I see them, I relive what they've done to me, and I can't stop hating them. And Holy Spirit, you promised power, dynamite, miraculous power in my life. Maybe you're here right now, and you want to pray that, but the truth is, you can't have the power of the Spirit till you receive the gift of the Son. And the gift of the Son is what Jesus did for us on the cross 2,000 years ago. See, before you can be filled with, with the Spirit and be reconnected to your Father, the Son had to come and be the bridge. He makes a way where there was no way. See, this is not a religious place all over our campuses where, where people become better, better versions of themselves. That's religion. The work is about, about you. The glory is for you. See, the glory and the work is in Jesus' hands. He gets all the praise. We are not good people that have made ourselves better in this room that know Christ. We were dead people that are now alive. That's, that's what the Bible says. We were blind people, but now we see. We were hopeless people, but through Christ we have hope. A hope that is everlasting.
Some of us, before we came to church, we had no peace in our lives. We were tormented by our past. We dealt with shame. But the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so now we get to live with the peace that surpasses all understanding. Some of us struggle mightily with anxiety. I think some of you can relate to that. But we put our hands, our life in the hands of God. And he carries us, and he's with us, and he never leaves us nor forsakes us. The Bible says that God will be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He, he does that, accomplishes that through the Holy Spirit. So maybe you're here right now, and you say, you know what? I don't, I don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and I'm not even sure what that looks like, but I want one. I want one. I want my life to stop being and feeling the way that it is. I want to stop struggling the way that I'm struggling. I want to start living a life of victory and freedom and hope. Listen, that's found in no other name but the name of Jesus. You can search the rest of your life on this earth, and you will always be dissatisfied. But my prayer is that God would begin to open up your, your eyes, that the Holy Spirit would begin to do a work. This is the work of the Spirit, that he would begin to draw you to Jesus, that he would begin to answer every question that you have, that he would begin to give you courage where you have fear, that he would give you a boldness to admit to yourself and before God that you can't do this life on your own anymore, and that he would allow you and cause you and invite you to take that step today. So he's here right now. The Bible says that the Spirit of God knocks at the door of men and women. What does that mean? For, for me, I remember when I, was, when I was coming to the realization that I needed a relationship with God, it was just this burning in my chest. I could just feel something changing in me. And in that moment, I simply just said yes. Yes to the Spirit. Yes to forgiveness. Yes to freedom. And my life hasn't been perfect and it hasn't been easy and there's been times I've been afraid and there's been times I've been overwhelmed but here's what I would tell you that Jesus has never left me nor turned his back on me. That he's here right now and he loves you more than you can imagine and you are not an accident. The seat you're sitting in, the Sunday you came at all of our campuses, uh, the place that you attended, the message that you heard, the songs that we sang, the people that greeted you, they were pre-set up by God so that he could change your life forever. And just like as Christians, we ask the Spirit to move in our lives, it's the same thing we do when we're here. If you're not a follower of Christ, you ask Jesus to come into your life. We do that through prayer. And maybe you're not a praying person. Here's what's so cool. God is not looking for eloquence today. He's looking for brokenness. He's looking for humility. The Bible says when we humble ourselves, he can lift us up. What's humility? I can't do life on my own. I can't handle this anymore. I've tried to figure it out. It hasn't worked. I can't put it back together. I've messed up in my past. I don't know how to handle what I'm facing in my present. I am terrified of my future. Today you invite the one who has it all figured out. His hands are, are knocking. They're reaching out to you. Today I invite Jesus into my life. And so if you're at our other campuses or right here, there's somebody standing like me on a stage just like I am. And I'm going to ask you in a second if that's you all over the place. Phoenixville, Royers, for Limerick, Plymouth Meeting, watching online. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to do one bold thing. I'm not going to make you come forward. We're not going to call you out. We're not going to point you out. Uh, we just want to know we're praying with you. I want to know that I'm going to pray with you in a second. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. If you need a relationship with Jesus Christ, I think it's a very significant, special moment to admit that you can't do life on your own and to ask Jesus into your life. And what we do is just like a young son or a daughter reaches their hands towards their father. That's a universal signal that you want him to pick you up 
That's the same thing we do at Journey Church. He is our father. He's awaiting you. He loves you. You're his, his child, his son, or his daughter. And you, you have a chance right now to say, God, pick me up. God, receive me as, as your son or your daughter. Jesus, forgive my sins. Holy Spirit, fill me up. If that's you in this place, and today is your day, without thinking about it, without worrying about the person to your right or left at all of our campuses, if that's you, just shoot your hand straight up in the air and say, hey, Pastor, today I need to make Jesus my, my Lord. I see a hand right here. Yes, I see another hand right here. Is there anybody else? Say, hey, Pastor, that's me. That's me. That's me. I see another hand right here. That's me. In Limerick, in Plymouth Meeting, in Royersford, hey, we're waiting for you to respond. There's somebody standing right in the front. Uh, we want to see that hand in the air, and we want to all pray together. Maybe you don't understand why we're clapping, church. Uh, we're just trying to emulate uh, heaven. And the Bible says when one person responds to the gospel, that all of heaven stops to respond. Can you just picture that right now? Heaven is stopping to respond. Hey, there's three people in Royersford. Let's clap for them right now. At all of our campuses, we're rejoicing. I'm going to give you one more second in Limerick and Plymouth meeting. I know you've had a second, but I feel like there's just a few more people in this place. I feel like the Spirit is still moving and saying, hey, today's going to be your day. There's somebody else in Royersford. Let's clap with them. Let's clap with them. Anybody else say, hey, Pastor, today, today's the day I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. Let's begin to pray all over this house. Jesus, thank you for this day. Holy Spirit, thank you for moving in a powerful, profound way, a life-changing way. It's been more than a sermon. It's been more than songs. It's been more than church. But this is a moment where dead people, spiritually lost people, broken people, abandoned people, right now they're feeling love for the very first time. They're feeling the compassion of a God who would give up his son for them, that he would die on the cross for their sins. And today they are taking that invitation to be a son or a daughter of the Most High. And they're saying, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. God, I believe in you. I believe in what you've done for me. And today I want you to change me. And right now, Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you are filling them up with power, with dynamite power. Addictions are breaking. Lord, things that held them captive are falling off of their life. Hatred is turning into love. Anxiety is turning into peace. Lord, where they've been hopeless and broken, today they leave this place and they are full of life. They are full of joy. They are full of peace because of what you did for them on the cross, Jesus, and because the power that is now living inside of their life. I thank you, Lord, this is going to be a fruitful decision. It's not an emotional decision. It's not a one-time decision. But, Lord, we're going to look back on this day in history that May 5th will be a historical day for these people and this church. Holy Spirit, continue to move, continue to speak, continue to change lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Hey, let's shout amen all over our houses. and Let's clap together.